transition of the food and agriculture sector away from a depletive economic model and towards one that is able to sustainably feed a growing global population is firmly underway. This transformation is creating fast-growing insurgent companies and is changing the business models of incumbent firms, creating compelling investment opportunities for active investors. How to identify companies that offer solutions to the sustainability challenges of the food value chain and how to avoid companies being disrupted in this fast-moving environment. That's something I'll discuss with Acne Rakoskate, co-portfolio manager of the BMP Paribas Smart Food Strategy. Acne works for Impacts Asset Management, an affiliate of BMP Paribas Asset Management. My name is Marije Groen and I'm the host of this podcast about the sustainability challenges of the food value chain. Welcome, Agni. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Wonderful to have you. Agni, I'm curious. Global warming and population growth could force radical changes to our diet. As a consequence, what do you think will be on the menu by 2050? Yes, the global population is expected to reach 10 billion people by 2050, which is an increase of about 25%. That said, we're going to need to produce about 50% more food between now and then. So not only will there be more mouths to feed, but as people accumulate more wealth, and particularly in the emerging markets, they tend to consume more calories per capita. And as you are probably already aware, the production of food is incredibly um, in, is incredibly resource intensive. It uses vast amounts of water, land, crop protection chemicals, fertilizers, and leads to significant green, greenhouse gas emissions. So if we are going to increase the food production by 50%, the strain on natural resources is only going to become greater. As you highlighted, the additional problem, of course, is global warming, and that's going to present a particular concern to farmers with respect to lowering their yields. And so, as you correctly highlight, that is going to force us to make changes to our diet. We're already seeing that transition take place. Um, you know, we are seeing a transition to more sustainable food systems, and an, an, an obvious example would be a shift to a more plant-based diet. That trend is already quite prominent in Western Europe and North America, but I would expect that over the next couple of decades, um, it will take off in the emerging markets as well, especially as we overcome the challenges of scaling. So I would say um, by 2050, we, I would expect um, our population to, to shift to a lower impact, um, to, to a diet that's, um, that's lower impact. Wonderful. I've seen it already with myself, to be honest. I'm, I'm almost, well, I say 80-20. I'm a flexitarian at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a bit about the current affairs, Acne, and about uh, the rise of the food prices, because uh, rising food prices are currently making headlines and, and causing concerns as well. And I can imagine that as a sustainable investor, such as Impex, that you look at this differently than a traditional investor in the food and agriculture sector. And is, is that indeed the case? That is, in, that is the case. Um, a traditional ag investor would be much more focused on the commodity cycle. So really tracking um, the, the prices of soft commodities like corn, soy, wheat, etc., and really trying to get that timing right. Typically, they would invest in companies high up the value chain. So companies like AgriCams, um, other agri-input companies, um, commodity traders, livestock producers. What makes the impacts approach unique relative to the traditional food and ag investor is our focus on sustainability solutions. 
So um, we are focused on sustainability solutions across all parts of the value chain because we believe that those solutions exist along all parts of the value chain. So really the key for us is is, is finding companies which will be beneficiaries from this long-term transition to more sustainable food systems. And another benefit of our approach is, is that it enables us to invest um, to to invest across all parts of the value chain and really be able to diversify and um, and extract the value add from all those different parts. Wonderful. Um, what we see happening is is the whole food chain has been globalized. And uh, this means that companies can offer to consumers whatever they want to eat in whatever season. Uh, with the pandemic, however, uh, we've seen some weaknesses surfacing in the supply chain. And is this something you expect to lead to major changes? Indeed. So the pandemic really highlighted weaknesses in certain parts of the supply chain. For example, we saw quite significant interruptions to the flows of crop inputs um, as international borders closed for, for an amount of time. And very early on in the pandemic, um, food retailers were very conscious of those disruptions and they Want, they, they worked hard to ensure that there was food on the shelves, especially as people panicked and they started to stockpile. And so they did various things to cope with that. For example, they asked their suppliers to prioritize on a few core products. So for example, instead of having 10 options for orange juice on the shelf, you would have maybe one or two options. Um, they also standardized pack sizes and cut back on innovation. The pandemic also highlighted that those companies that had more control over their supply chains, those that were more vertically integrated, fared a lot better. So as we look to the future, in terms of any major changes, I think the key word here is really going to be supply chain resilience, um, just to ensure that something like that doesn't happen again. I would expect that we'll see companies invest more in vertical integration. But another solution is for supply chains to become a bit more local. So one way to do that is to invest in more controlled environment agriculture, especially in, in countries that rely quite heavily on food imports. Another priority, I would say, for ensuring food security is to reduce food waste along the, along the chain. Um, whether it's during transportation or storage, there are multiple solutions to, um, to lowering food waste. So there, there are options. There's, there, there are solutions to think about. Um, besides the pandemic, what we also see is global warming. Um, how does global warming affect that global food supply chain? The main impact to the farmer will be changing yields. The climatic shocks are currently double what they used to be 20 years ago. And in certain regions, the agricultural season has either shrunk or has changed completely. And so for farmers, whether it's crop farmers or livestock farmers, um, really it's all about the the changes in the yield. For livestock farmers in particular, um, they also have to worry about the, the impact on, on animal health um, that global warming has. Um, so for them, the solution will be adaptation. And there are a few examples of, um, of that would be precision agriculture and crop inputs such as seeds, which are better adapted to a hotter climate. Hmm. What we see happening in, in Belgium and in the Netherlands is that the wines that are being cultivated here are increasingly improving. Um, so global warming isn't all that bad, is it? <laughs> Well, yes, exactly. There, are, there will be some benefits. <laughs> Only slight, though. <laughs> uh, let's talk a bit more about your BMP Baribas uh, smart food strategy. 
Um, unlike most ESG funds that are invested on a best-in-class or on an exclusionary basis, the BNP Paribas Smart Food Strategy only invests in companies that provide a solution. What are the implications for the investable universe? So today, as we've already discussed, the food and agriculture sector is facing a number of very important sustainability challenges. And our fund is focused on identifying companies which offer the best solutions to those challenges. And they fall into four broad categories. The first one is companies that are helping to lower the environmental impact of agriculture and food production. The second is companies that focus on providing nutritious and healthy food. Then we have companies which enable the provision of safe food. And finally, companies that help promote animal welfare standards. We invest in, across the whole value chain, and that is really quite fundamental um, to what we do. Um, and it also makes us unique to our competitors. Because sustainability challenges exist along the whole value chain, we also are able to identify solutions to those challenges along the whole value chain. Um, and this approach helps us to to capture as much value um, as much value add as possible along all parts of the value chain. Mm. And how do you then find the most innovative and responsibly managed leaders in the sustainable food supply, uh, resource efficiency and nutrition? So our investment process starts with the universe creation. We have defined areas within the food and agriculture space that we would consider to be sustainable food solutions. And we've set a 20% threshold, which means that a company is only included in the investable universe if at least 20% of its revenues or profits are derived from those activities. And as part of this process, we look for solutions globally and across the whole value chain. This approach has the benefit of allowing us to diversify, but at the same time, benefit from the value add that's added at each stage of the chain. Wonderful. Let's maybe close off this interview, Acne, by by an example. Um, If we look at the consumer trend of eating healthier, eating more sustainably, what to what choices or implications has that led into the portfolio? So the pandemic has caused the consumers to become much more aware of the importance of nutrition for, for their immune systems. Um, And this is helping to accelerate that shift away from foods that are heavily processed to those that are much more natural. It's also helping to drive interest in nutritional supplements, such as probiotics, for example. So we see a lot of investment opportunities across various parts of the value chain, but specifically ingredients companies are in the sweet spot because they help to enable the production of more functional foods. And they also help food manufacturers to reformulate their products, for example, by taking out salt, sugar, while also maintaining the product's taste profile. Thank you very much, Agni. Thank you very much. You listen to a podcast about the sustainability challenges of the food value chain. I would like to thank today's guest, Ekni Rakoskate, co-portfolio manager of the BMP Paribas Smart Food Strategy, for her time and her insights. This podcast is offered to you by BMP Paribas Asset Management. For more podcasts on thematic investing, please visit the Fonds News website, fondsnews.nl, if you are based in the Netherlands, or if you are in Belgium, the Investment Officer website, investmentofficer.be. Deze podcast bevat een discussie over actuele marktontwikkelingen. Dit materiaal dient enkel ter informatie en kan niet worden aangemerkt als een voorstel of aanbod tot het aankopen of verhandelen van de financiële instrumenten hierin besproken of een beleggingsadvies. 
De in dit materiaal opgenomen opinies zijn het oordeel van BNP Paribas Asset Management Nederland op een specifiek moment en kunnen worden gewijzigd zonder voorafgaand bericht. De waarde van uw belegging kan fluctueren. In het verleden behaalde resultaten bieden geen garantie voor de toekomst.